It's such an honor and a privilege to be saying, hey, story of hope. That's where you find yourself, ladies and gentlemen. And today we are going to be connecting with Mads Dazel uh, for part two of her personal testimony. Mads, so great to uh, connect with you again. Thank you for your time once again. Um, yesterday, and I think maybe we just do a short recap, you spoke about the reality that you had a mom and a dad that were, well, you thought you were adopted. And then you found their, their marriage certificate and your birth certificate, and the two were six months apart. And then you understood a whole bunch of things. Um, but yeah, just, just share a little bit and then take us into part two, please. Yeah, so, you know, we find ourselves in moments in life where um, it becomes, in a sense, a, a pivotal moment because the enemy wants to speak lies over your value and your worth. Um, and for most of my childhood, uh, there was a part of me that just felt like I never belonged, that there was something wrong with me, that I didn't fit in. And, and that moment was a key moment in my life where, where the enemy just spoke over me, you're a mistake and that's why you belong. That, that's why you don't belong. You're a mistake. You're not wanted. You will never fit in. Um, and so it was a huge kind of stumbling block in just the development of my self-worth, the development of my identity. Uh, it caused huge insecurity. And, you know, it was only in my mid-20s that God started to speak into the fact that he was my father and that the, the things that I'd yearned for in my childhood, he was able to fulfill. So a huge part of me learning to trust to see God as a father happened um, through just a, a, a verse in Scripture, Deuteronomy 33, verse 12, that talks about how the beloved of the Lord rests secure in him and the one the Lord loves rests with his head between his shoulders. And then later on, I shared about how God gave me a picture that spoke into this position that um, that actually this is my this is my identity, this is my foundation. But I wanted to kind of share a little bit today about detours in our journey of healing and wholeness because so often in our mind we have this picture of how we think God is going to heal us and we have an expectation of how we want God to heal us and I remember I was in my kind of mid to late 20s and I was busy studying in the UK. I was at the School of, uh, the School of um, Theology, London School of Theology. Uh, and I was doing my degree in counseling and theology. And um, as students, we were going away for a weekend. Uh, it was a, an experiential, practical weekend um, where we were going to be learning some techniques and psychodrama. And um, I was at a stage in my heart and my, my journey where I was really open to the work of God and really desperate for him to do something to deepen fears and insecurity um, around just the fact that I felt like I was too much, that there were too many issues that needed to be addressed. And so anyway, at this weekend, we all were given the opportunity to volunteer, to come forward uh, to participate in the kind of program of the day, but it was also an opportunity for God to work in you. And I, I remember most of my kind of classmates really didn't want to be at this event, but I was like, yes, I can't wait. And so every day uh, in the morning, we had three sessions a day. She would kind of say, right, who wants to go next? And I was like, choose me, choose me. And every time that happened, she completely ignored me. 
even to the point where she was almost begging other students to volunteer and just ignoring me. Um, and this started to chip away inside of me where I was like starting to get angry. I was starting to feel rejected. I was feeling hurt. I was confused. I was frustrated. I was like, God, like I'm here. Why are you rejecting me? And by the end of the second day, it was a Saturday evening, I could just feel the walls, my defense mechanism shutting down. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm angry. And I remember sitting at the dinner table that night, just kind of pushing my food around. And one of the lecturers, who was also a supervisor of mine, kind of sat down and she started to speak to me. And I just completely ignored her. I was, I was angry because there was a part of my heart that was feeling totally rejected. I was willing to be vulnerable and felt ignored and shut down. And this was, this was very significant to my experience in my childhood because my mom would often ignore me for days and weeks on end. She would just give me the silent treatment, pretend I didn't exist. And so this experience tapped straight into that pain of my childhood. And so my walls shut down and I just completely uh, ignored her. And she started telling me this weird little story about a kitten, a stray kitten she had found and how this kitten was hiding underneath her cupboard and wouldn't come out. And, um, and I remember just kind of wanting to tune her out. And, I, and I, at the dinner table, I sat down and I, I had my head on my arms and I kind of just felt God say to me, Mads, look at your thumbs. And I was like, what do you mean my thumbs? And, and I was holding on to my thumbs, you know, as my arms were crossed. And he said to me, whenever you feel completely vulnerably exposed and scared and hurting, you comfort yourself, you hold your own thumbs. Um, and he said to me, I want you to ask your lecturer to hold your thumbs for you. And I was like, you're kidding me. There is no ways I'm going to ask somebody else, especially a lecturer, to hold my thumbs. But you know what God is like? He's a little bit persistent. And so I eventually kind of sheepishly stuck out my two thumbs. I didn't lift my head. And I said, God's told me that you need to hold my thumbs. But this stage, luckily, the, the, the canteen had emptied out and there weren't many people around, just the two of us. And as she grabbed hold of my thumbs, I broke. Something inside of me just snapped. And I sobbed and I sobbed and I sobbed probably for about, two hours. I actually sobbed myself to sleep. Um, and eventually I woke up and I could still feel her holding my thumbs. It was now dark. There was no one else around. And I kind of lifted up my head and, I, and she said to me, are you okay? And I said, yeah. And we didn't have to say anything more because she knew that God was at work. And so I left. Um, and it was about a month or so later, um, we were doing another practical experience, uh, exercise as students, and we were all given a lump of clay. And we were told that we needed to ask God what he wanted us to make with this lump of clay for the person sitting on our left. Don't ask me what I made for the person sitting on my left. I have no memory of it. But the student who I was sitting uh, next to, he took this lump of clay and he put it inside of his hand and God told him to squeeze it with all his strength. Uh, and I didn't know he was doing this because I was busy making mine for the girl next to me. Um, and then we were, we were given an opportunity where we had to give this lump of clay and what we had made with it to the person and share with them what we felt like God had told us to make for them. 
And so the guy that gave me this lump of clay, he was, he was the only male who was a father on the course. And he said to me, God told him, he was a big Italian guy, Angelo. He said, God told me to take this lump of clay and to squeeze it in his hand so that it would make a mold of the inside of his hand because God wanted to give me something new to hold on to. And again, when he gave me this lump of clay, it looked like the shell. I've still got it. It's like over 25 years old and it sits in my, in my jewelry box as one of my most precious things because it, it reminded me again that God knows how tactile I am, how visual I am, and that God knew that I needed something new to hold on to because there was a part of my, my learning to survive in my childhood where I depended on self. I only, you know, I was strong, independent. There was a part of me that, had, incre- had learned incredible survival skills from an emotional perspective. But when I was vulnerable, there was a part of me that was still very broken and insecure and fragile and easily would um, kind of feel rejection. Um, and this was, in a sense, the wounded inner child, you know. Uh, and often the wounded inner child is not the same chronological age as our current age. And sometimes we're going to feel parts of ourselves that get triggered or exposed um, and in those moments, it almost feels like we want to throw a tantrum or we want to reject or we want to the behavior is of that child when it's feeling vulnerably exposed and triggered. And God wants to heal even those parts of you. And sometimes we think it's going to be the way we expect it. And on that, on that weekend after the, my lecturer held my thumbs, the Sunday morning, I went into the class and she said, right, Mads, I know you've been wanting to go the whole weekend, but God told me to wait and not choose you. And uh, he wanted me to to have Sunday morning to have the freedom of the day to to participate in this activity. And I told her, don't worry about it. God actually, God actually met with me last night. And it was such a huge learning moment because I realized that God doesn't always work the way we expect. He actually gave me privacy. He didn't expose me vulnerably in front of the whole class. He he met me in a private, intimate way that far exceeded what probably could have happened in a group experience. Um, And then he solidified that through giving me this lump of clay that kind of just again visually spoke to my heart and revealed to me how much he intimately knows me and knows what I needed. Um, and it just took my level of trusting him as a father to a whole new degree of trust and, and intimacy that I didn't know could possibly exist. And so my encouragement to you listening is that there are there are chambers in your heart that might be off limits because you're petrified of them. You're petrified that you're going to get hurt. You're petrified that you're going to get rejected, that God's not going to come through. But my encouragement is that when there are moments where you can feel God speaking and he's asking you to step up and to step out in courage and boldness and vulnerable exposure to listen to him, because I promise you when he, when he works in those spaces and we know that he is the potter and we are the clay and he has an ability to mold us and to restore and to heal and to bring all the goodness that, 
maybe we never got in our childhood, but I honestly believe that he is a God of restoration and healing. And when we allow ourselves to push into those spaces, he will not disappoint. And so I hope my testimony and the story of hope gives you hope handles to hold on to as you push into spaces where maybe you've never allowed anyone in. So, yeah, I hope this helps. God bless. Yeah, so, so helpful, Mads. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing that. You're um, Yeah, and I'm going to ask you to pray because sure. that thing of being rejected is, I yeah. think, something that everybody goes through in different shapes and sizes. And there might be people listening who say, well, you know, I had really great parents. I had a really great upbringing. Uh, it wasn't a big deal. But still, there are things that have happened either in the workspace, in a school space, just in general life. So would you please yeah. pray for those people? Sure. So, Father, I just want to lift up every person that is listening now live or tunes in later. And you know our stories. You know those spaces that we keep in the dark, that we generally try and hide. And, Father, I pray that you will intimately meet each one of those that you will nudge, that you will prompt as you so gently do and just reveal to our hearts the, 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 the corners and the spaces that you want to minister into, that you want to bring your healing. And I pray, Father, that you will do exactly that, that you will be a shield, that you will be a comforter, that you will be a nurturer, that you will be so gentle as you just administer your healing into hearts that are listening and we pray, Father, for a deepening revelation of who you are as a father, that you, are, that you will comfort, that you will protect, that you will heal and restore. And so I pray for courage uh, and boldness to, to lean into you, we pray. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. And Mads, uh, I'm just going to pull up the reality is Mads has written a book, Care for Wholeness. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's just such an invitation to help people into that whole sphere of counseling and pastoral counseling and so forth. So, Mads, there's so much more that you need to share with us. Please, uh, we're going to have to talk to you again and bring part three to the table tomorrow. <laughs> Look forward to it. So much. Yes, looking forward to it too.